Are you ready for some baptisms? Yeah. I'm going to give you a little bit of scripture first and some context, and we're going to get into baptisms in just a little bit. And then we're going to worship and turn this place into a house of celebration and praise. So we're excited about that. I do want to pause and just thank one more time the Jaywalkers and all of you who put on a tremendous conference uh, Friday and Saturday. If you weren't here, let me just paint a picture for you. Over 2,500 individuals were filled this room, and many of them were within that like 18 to 25 year range, and it all captured the heart of God. And in the moment, last night at the altars, if you would have been here, it was beautiful. All the way down these aisles were young people on their knees before God with their hands in the air saying, God, I surrender to you. Use my life. I want to tell you that God is moving in every generation on this planet. There is not one generation that he ignores or is skipping. Amen. And please do not believe the lie that the young generation doesn't seek God or want to know God. They are hungry and passionate. Amen. In every generation. And so we're so excited to see what God did this weekend and to see how God will complete that and launch these world changers into their destinies. It is an awesome thing to be alive right now. I don't look back in history and say, I wish it was alive in a different generation. I believe this is exactly where God wants us to be right now. We embrace this moment. How many of you are ready to embrace this moment and your destiny right now in the plan of God? He doesn't make mistakes, so he knows exactly when you were meant to be here. Amen? All right, we're going to jump into baptism in just a minute. I want to talk to you about surrender. Say surrender. Last night, the speaker, Jenny Allen, was ministering and she was talking about surrender. And I appreciated the fact that the Lord has the same Holy Spirit and he's ministering something into his body. And I believe we need an understanding on surrender. Today, I've entitled my message, Sweet Surrender. Sweet Surrender. Surrender can be different in different settings and contexts. So let me give you a little bit of an idea of different types of surrender. And then we're gonna get into the sweet side of surrender. Depending on the context, it's used a little differently. In a military context, the idea of surrender is that of yielding or giving up in a conflict or war. It typically involves laying down your weapons and submitting to the authority of the opposing force. That's a military idea of surrender. Laying down your weapons and submitting to the authority of the opposing military that you've been fighting against. And I believe right now that there are individuals in this room that you've been fighting against God. And it's time to lay down your excuses and your arguments and to surrender to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. There's a personal or emotional type of surrender where a person surrenders or gives up resistance in a situation, maybe in an emotion or a desire. It can be seen in the form of letting go. For example, someone might surrender to their feelings of love. I'm letting go, I've accepted it, I've, I've surrendered to the fact that I'm just in love with this person and I surrender my life to that relationship. I remember when we were in high school, Maria and I were in high school, I was a junior, she was a freshman in high school. We were in a school play called West Side Story. I was uh, Bernardo in the play and she was one of the choral dancers in the background. I remember seeing her and I would like to say it was the Holy Spirit, but there was definitely a spirit, right? And I saw her, thank you. I saw her and I was like, mm-hmm. And I was like, what is, who is this young lady? I feel, I feel the Lord leading me, you know? <laughs> 
And I tried my best to get her attention. I was charming, come on, I was charming. I was hilarious and good looking, all those things. Yeah, come on, I was humble as well. I was so <laughs> humble. And I would go out with her or some of her, we'd get all of our friends together and I'd say, hey, invite that, invite that girl Maria to come because I want to be able to impress her outside of play practice when we go out to dinner and all that stuff, right? You've got to design some opportunities, young men. Let me tell you something. You don't just wait for chance to happen, right? You have to engineer some, some meetings. Yeah. Some of us are like, if God wants it, well, some of it's like, get initiative here. Come on, young ladies, right? Get some initiative going, young men. And I would crack my jokes and I would be super charming and I'd have the whole room laughing and here she'd be in the corner. I would, she would not be moved. And I gave her my best stuff. I was giving some good stuff. And I remember finally, after about two or three weeks of this, I gave up. Somebody even found, like she was a cheerleader, so she had this little cheerleading buttons that parents would buy, and someone found it and gave me this button. And I remember being so discouraged, I threw the button away. I was like, I quit, I can't do this. And there was another guy in the play that uh, had his eye on her, and I looked at him and I said, fine, man, go, after, go ahead. Like, I give up, I quit. And lo and behold, that week in play practice, I sprained my ankle. And so I'm sitting there with ice on my foot and she walks by and she goes, oh, what happened to your ankle? And you know, that little antenna goes up and it's like, hmm? Like, <laughs> you notice me? I should have broke my leg. We'd already be married by now. Like, this is amazing. But finally, after a lot of effort and time, she finally surrendered to my pursuit. Yes. Amen. So there's a military context, there's emotional, personal context when it comes to surrender. There's legal, in a legal context of surrender, where you go and you turn yourself in to the authorities and you face the criminal charges and the arrest warrants. It's a voluntary action taken by a person to comply with the legal process. So military, personal, and I, I talked to you about military, laying down your arguments and weapons against the Lord. Your personal, I'm encouraging you today, we surrender to the pursuit and the love of God in our lives. He has been chasing us every single step of the way. And then even in this legal context, you know what? We have sinned against God and we stand guilty before him. And so the best course of action is to surrender yourself to the merciful judge, the merciful king and say, here I am, take me now. Like take my life. I surrender. I'm turning myself in to the goodness and the grace of God. There's a spiritual and philosophical idea of surrender, letting go of your ego or control or attachments to outcomes, embracing in a sense of trust and acceptance where we just embrace, we let go of the control in our lives and the outcomes. So we say, God, I trust you with my life. You lead me, you guide me, be my good shepherd. And the final idea of surrender is that of a board game or sports. How many of you are sports people in the room? Raise your hand if you are a sports person, yeah? And there are times in these activities that you acknowledge you are in a position where you cannot win and you, or continue to compete effectively and it involves conceding the game or the match to your opponent. And here's the deal, we cannot win in this life without the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot win without him on our team. You are not strong enough to take on the enemy. You are not strong enough to take on death, hell, and the grave, but he was, and in our weakness, he is strong. Somebody get excited about that, amen.
Overall, the idea of surrender typically involves you relinquishing control or resistance. That's why it's important today as we're talking about surrender and about to get into these baptism tanks, they're symbolic of something. It's about yielding. It's about committing completely, surrendering your life in its entirety to Jesus, giving up control where you are no longer the God of your own life. You don't sit in the chair or the driver's seat of your own life, but you have taken your hands off the wheel and you have said, Lord, lead my life. I give you my life. I completely surrender. So I speak to you baptism candidates today to understand what it is when we do these acts, these physical acts. God gave us these as, as things outside to help us understand stuff in the spirit, to help us understand what he's done in the unseen realm. And when you lay into that water and you get completely immersed, you are completely surrendering yourself into who he is, who Jesus Christ is. Relinquishing control and resistance. It's not about going halfway in, it's about going all the way in. You don't just put your foot in the water, you put your entire self and say, Lord, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, take my dreams, take my hopes, take my goals, take my money, take my time, take my eternity, take my likes, take my wants. I give them all to you. Amen. Amen? You know, the idea of surrender, it's not something that we enjoy, right? We naturally fight against surrendering. And typically it's because we don't want to lose. But in this exchange, though you lose your life, you lose your life only to gain genuine life, real life. When you don't have an understanding of what's on the other side, you think you're missing out, you think you're losing, you think you're giving so much, but there's nothing that we're giving that he doesn't return back a hundredfold beyond what you could have ever asked, thought, or imagine. And so that's why we call today sweet surrender. Say sweet. sweet. Surrender. Because there's a sweetness when you understand that in giving up everything, I am gaining so much more than I could ever possibly have given up. There's a story in the Old Testament. It's interesting that I'm going Old Testament, OT, for today's message in regarding baptism. Open your Bibles if you have them to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. I do put my notes in our Calvary Orlando app if you'd like to follow along there or look them up later. But 2 Kings chapter 5, I was led by the Lord to this story regarding surrendering and baptism. It actually does involve someone going down under the water. And it's a guy named Naaman. Naaman. Naaman was a successful military leader, not an Israelite, not one of the Jewish people one of actually the enemies of Israel. And he was a conqueror, very successful. And matter of fact, his armies had conquered some of Israel and taken some individuals back as slaves. And his slave girl that was in his home saw him ill, saw him sick. He had leprosy. And so leprosy in the Bible can, it's yes, a physical disease that erodes and deteriorates and eventually kills. But so many times it's also a picture or an illustration of what sin does in our lives. Sin erodes our lives. It's a disease that eats away 
your life. It steals, kills, and destroys, and it kills you slowly, and parts of your life, and parts just like leprosy, parts of your body begin to deteriorate and fall off until you eventually succumb and die. And so here this picture of this leader, this military you know, genius, successful, he's dealing with leprosy, he's physically dying, though he has everything in the natural of success and fame and influence and finance, but yet he doesn't have freedom, he doesn't have wholeness, and this leprosy is eating him alive. Same thing with sin in our lives. You can be successful on the outside, you can have businesses and finance and people respect you, but you know sin is still eating you alive on the inside. Darkness is still eating us alive and stealing and killing and destroying our lives. If people saw behind the closed doors of our home, it doesn't look the way we portray it on Instagram or on TikTok or Facebook. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Sin only kills. It only kills. The devil loves to promise you the world, but there is no life in that death. It's only death. Sin only leads to death. And so like Naaman, we can relate. If you don't surrender, and that's the solution. The only solution is to surrender to God. And so Naaman, this little slave girl in his house, says, I wish he was in Israel because then the prophet of God could help him, the prophet of God could heal him. And so Naaman heard her testimony and went to find this prophet of God. Here we are in 2 Kings chapter five. Have you found it in your Bibles? Verse one, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman. That's the, the opposing kingdom I was telling you about, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victory. But through Naaman, though Naaman was mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. Among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I'll send a letter of introduction for you. Take it to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gifts. He lists the gifts. Verse 6, the letter of the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of leprosy. The king of Israel isn't the one that knows God to heal him of leprosy. So he's pretty shocked by the letter from the other king saying, I'm sending Naaman to you. Now you heal him from leprosy. And the king's like, uh, say what? Verse seven, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he just wants to try to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent a message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. So that was the prophet saying, send Naaman to me he will learn that there is a true prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with a message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed from your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. He said, I thought he would certainly come out and meet me he said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't there rivers in Damascus and Albania? 
and, the, and Farpur better than any of the rivers here in Israel. Why shouldn't I just go wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away in a rage. He was offended at how the prophet didn't come out personally and do his little waving of the arms and, and do whatever it was Naaman had assumed, say assumed, or expected or desired or wanted God to do it in his own way. Verse 13, but the officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to go do something very difficult, wouldn't you have gone and done that? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him and his skin became healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Why don't you go and celebrate the Lord on that? Amen. There's a beautiful testimony. Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except the God of Israel. So please accept this gift from your servant. It's a powerful story. A couple things. One, Naaman had a problem. His problem was leprosy. We talked about that metaphor, sin. Naaman had a problem. Number two, Naaman had an opinion. <laughs> Naaman had a problem and Naaman had an opinion on how God should fix his problem. And in Naaman's mind, he didn't want to have to surrender or submit to God. He just wanted God to do what he wanted him to do. He wanted him to fix his problem without having to go through the submission or obedience that would have been required. God, just fix my the fruit of my sin, but not the root. The root of this is that Naaman didn't know God. Naaman isn't submitted to God. Are you hearing me, church? And so God was trying to get through to Naaman and to get Naaman to a place of surrender. Naaman's used to being in control. Naaman's used to being famous and people doing what he says. And so no wonder God challenges his pride. See, God works with each of us differently. He knows exactly what to tell you that's gonna push your button. And he doesn't always do things one way that he does for everyone else in the idea of obedience. He may look at you and ask you for something. He didn't ask them, but he knows why he's asking you to be obedient in this manner because it's setting you free from something. It's delivering you from something. So many times we wanna get rid of the symptom and God's trying to get to the root of why that fruit is in your life. Amen. It's about surrender. Naaman had a problem, Naaman had an opinion. God should do it this way. And Naaman had an option. Those are my three there. Naaman had a problem and an opinion, and he did have an option. Because like I said in the beginning, all these different modes of surrender, it's still your choice. Naaman had an option. Would he surrender? Would he submit to God? Will he humble himself and receive what God was providing for him today? If he said no, if he would have walked away offended, if he would have said, no, I'm not willing to surrender, I'm not willing to submit, he would have walked away staying exactly the same with his sin, with his brokenness, with the areas of his life that were stealing, killing, and destroying his life. Baptism today signifies our lives being submitted and surrendered to Christ. So again, I speak to our baptism candidates today. Understand that that is what we are declaring today, that we are being placed by the Holy Spirit. He places us in Christ. We think of it as a tank. We think of it as water, but it's an image of your life being immersed. Say immersed. Completely surrendered, yielded into. There is a willingness that has to happen. If you're fighting it all the way down, it's not gonna work. But you with an act of faith, 
and surrender saying, all right, Lord, I'm going all the way in to Christ. I will not leave anything out. My mind will be renewed in Christ. My hands will be renewed in Christ. Where my feet goes will be for Christ. Where my heart goes will be for Christ. Amen. Romans chapter six, verse three through four. Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, you joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with him in Christ's baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And so there's that old you going into Christ and you stay in Christ. And then there's that picture of you coming up out of that water as an idea of you being resurrected into new life. That's exciting. Like Naaman, these baptism tanks today symbolize surrender of your life, of your plans to Jesus Christ. You are getting into that water by the act of your will. There is a surrendering and allowing yourself to go all the way in, bringing your good, your bad, and your ugly. Sometimes we think that there's just the surrendering of the bad, of the sin, but you know what? You also surrender all of your achievements in your life as well. There are degrees that go with you. There are things that have worked for you and successes that go with you, but you know what? All of those things mean nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. I surrender not only the bad, I surrender the good. Amen. And he knows how to take that good and make something even great out of it. But too many times we think Jesus is only there to receive the bad. He's there to receive it all. He's there to receive it all. That's a good place to say amen. amen. So now I want to change focuses just for the last few minutes and say that in this moment of surrender is where God breaks some rules. You say, what? God breaks some rules? Yeah. He actually bends and breaks some things. I was considering it a little earlier this week and I was like, man, that is so powerful. I wanna share with you an illustration that the Lord gave me this week. Is that okay? Can I share with you an illustration? It's good. I was gonna share it anyway, but I thought I'd be polite and ask you permission. So here's, we have this, um, just this symbolic picture of leprosy or our brokenness, the sin in our life. The Bible says that we live in darkness, right? We were in darkness and you kind of see the, the wounds and the, the scars of our lives, the darkness of sin and the deception that we've walked in, the kingdom of darkness that we've kind of been, not kind of been, we've been in, it's just the way it is. Can you see that picture, right? Broken, shredded, this is the way we look before God. And what the Lord was telling me about breaking some rules or bending some rules is this, you've heard it said, that you reap what you what? You reap what you sow. And I've always been taught throughout my life that if you put garbage in, you get what? Garbage out. And the Lord showed me something this last week about this in particular action. That in this moment of sweet surrender, we put our garbage in, but we get his glory out. Right? And he breaks the rules. We put our weakness in and we get his strength out. We put our brokenness in and we pull his wholeness out. Come on, somebody. We put our death in and we pull his life out. We put our failure in and we pull his victory out. We don't reap what we sow in this act, 
We reap what God sowed in this act. We reap from his seed in this act. Somebody get excited about that today. Come on, yeah. That's a good place. We put in our worst and we pull out his best. Come on, church. That's something to be grateful for. We put in our past and we pull out his future for our lives. We put in our sin and we pull out his righteousness. See, we know that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. But in this moment of surrender, we do not receive an equal reaction back. We receive inconceivably more back. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 3.20, now to him who was able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than we could ever dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes and dreams, according to his power that works within us. So today I ask you to decide to surrender. And there are some of you in the room that came as guests, family members, and maybe you have not personally surrendered your life to Jesus. Remember Naaman, for him to receive the healing he desired, he had to submit and surrender to the process. He had to submit and surrender to how God was going to save him. And there is one way that God saves us and that is complete surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just the way it is. And God wants to remove that sickness of sin off our lives. He wants to remove that death. He wants to remove that torment. He wants to remove that shredded, dark life that we had and give you all that he has. But it's all connected to will you completely surrender? Will you surrender? Surrender in a military contest. Surrender in that emotional love, that chasing of God's love. Surrender in all these different things. Giving up your battle against the Lord's plan over your life. Some of you have been fighting the plan of God for far too long. God is for you, not against you. You have been running from the call of God on your life and you're needlessly running because you have a belief that where you're taking your life is better than where he wants to take your life. He is infinitely smarter than every one of us. And he knows how you were designed. He knows how you will best function. Lay down your weapons, lay down your warfare against God and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, whose name was Saul, he was fighting against Jesus and fighting against the church. And he had an interruption where Jesus showed up and Saul laid down his war against against Jesus and he allowed Jesus to make him one of the greatest apostles the world had ever seen because he laid down his warfare against the call of God and the plan of God for his life. I'm challenging you today, stop running, stop battling against God. You don't have the, the, the army strong enough to win anyway, right? So you might as well surrender to God. Amen. Surrender, put your hands up in sweet surrender and embrace the greater life and purposes he has for you. Surrender to the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Sometimes we say surrender to Jesus because he'll give you purpose. Surrender to Jesus because he's got you know, things for you to do or it's a better life. I also want to remind you, surrender to Jesus because he is truth. He is truth, not just because of what he'll bring into your life, but because he is the truth. Surrender to the truth. 
He is the way, the truth, and the life. Give up your control. Jesus is now your Savior and Lord. And I want you to write something in your notes. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Too many times we want Jesus to be our Savior and we skip the Lord part. The idea of surrender and sweet surrender in these tanks is that you are saying, you're not just saving me from my leprosy, you are the Lord of my life. You are the authority, you are the leader, you are the boss, you are the king of my life. You are my Lord and Savior. And again, he's either Lord of all, which means he's Lord of your money, he's Lord of your sexuality, he's Lord of your time, he's Lord of your dreams, he's Lord of your opinions, he is Lord. You can't cut it up into pie slices. Like he's Lord of my salvation, he's Lord of my eternity, but he won't be Lord of my time, or he won't be Lord of my dreams. No, he's Lord of all, and he's worthy to be Lord of all. And he's, he is capable of being Lord of all, amen. So you are giving up that control to him as Savior and Lord, turning yourself into the merciful judge, as I said earlier, who sits upon a mercy seat. What's gonna happen if I go to him and I surrender myself and I tell him all the stuff that I've been involved in, all the sins I've committed? Let me be honest with you, my friend. When you tell the Lord about your sin, it's not the first time he finds out about it. He was there when you did it. When you confess your sin is when you're giving it to him. It's when you're letting him take it from you and put his blood upon it. It is not going to shock him what you've done. The merciful judge of the universe is wanting to embrace you saying, this is why I died in your place. You couldn't pay this price, so I paid it for you. But let's get honest. Let's get honest. Don't run from me because of the, that, that stain or that, that spot of sin on your life or that leprosy. Run to me because I know what to do with it. I paid for it. I will pay for it in full. I've atoned for it and I've cleansed you and made you as white as snow. If you will receive my mercy and my forgiveness, come to me as the judge of the universe. This is the time to come to him. On this side of eternity is when he's the judge of mercy. On that side of eternity, he's just the judge. But on this side, you can receive grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Surrender your arguments and ego and every thought that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Acknowledge you cannot win this battle against sin or death without him. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, you can today. And like Naaman, do not be like Naaman who wanted deliverance on his own terms. You must choose to let go and completely surrender to God. Let me give you an opportunity. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us needs a savior. The wages of sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And the Bible goes on to say that all who will call, say all, who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He will not deny anyone who calls on him to save them today. And so I wanna give you an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord Jesus to save you today, to completely surrender your life and say, okay, I'm gonna stop fighting you, stop running from you. I put my hands up in sweet surrender and I realize what you have for me is so much greater than what I have for myself. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute? I'm gonna pray for you, but I'd like to have you make a decision. If that's you today and you say, you know, the Holy Spirit's been tugging at my heart and I need to get things right with God today. I don't think I've ever asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. 
Or you may say, I used to have a relationship with God, but if I was honest, I've walked away. and I need to restart with God. I'm gonna count to three. And when I do, I'm just simply gonna have you raise your hand right at your seat. And that's going to be your act of faith and acknowledgement saying, Jesus, I surrender. And I wanna give you my life completely today. On the count of three, if you wanna pray a prayer with me at your seat, just simply raise your hand, ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up today? There's a hand right here in the front. Two, three, yeah, go ahead, put it up. Four, yeah, go ahead, put it up. All over, all over the room, put it up high. So Jesus sees it and it uses your act of faith. Six, seven, eight, awesome. Put it up, put it up, put it up, put it up, put it up. Nine, 10, 11, 12, awesome. There's, it's, I can't even see them all in the shadows, but Jesus sees them all. But make that declaration, Lord, this is me. I am surrendering today, or I am surrendering afresh today. Put your hand up and let's pray. Church, let's all pray together so no one's praying by themselves. Would you pray this prayer with us today? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that he died for me. He rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those? Amen. We hope you have been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person for our Sunday morning worship experience every Sunday at 10 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. There you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.